Okay, I pushed the button. Okay. Which means it's it's happening. It's happening. It's all happening for real. Um, what's today? January what? Thirteenth. Seriously, we're starting with a pop quiz. <laughs> I was not told that I was going to have to know what time it was. Do you know um, where you are right now in time? It is January 13th, 2021. January 13th, it's 11.36 a.m., January 13th, 2021. Yep. The emotional labor. The My name is Haylin, and this is Al. Aw, you lit a candle. Uh, yeah. That's nice. It's a light my joint so I don't have to make lighter noises on oh. the air. Also, I gotta, I have to stop looking at you because my, my mic's in the other direction. Oh, yeah, stop looking. You can look in that mirror if you miss me. That's literally why I oriented myself in this direction so I could look at myself in the mirror while oh. we record. Oh, I look I so I look so good podcasting. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I look amazing. You do. These big headphones on. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so... What are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? <laughs> um, sorry, Al. That was me being, um, oh that was me coping with my own discomfort by um, mm-hmm. looking to an outside source mm-hmm. to, to deal with that anxiety. Um, uh-huh. I find that, that actually oftentimes when people are trying to cope, with that inner anxiety, they resort to antisocial behavior. Oh my God. Uh-huh. Which brings us to today's topic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we're talking about today. Which is, why is everybody so mean? Why is everybody so mean? <laughs> why is everybody so mean? I guess, as a subset of the broader question, why is everybody acting like that? Yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Specifically, why are they being so mean? <laughs> why is everyone being so mean? Why is everybody acting like that? And also, that? why is everybody in QAnon? <laughs> why is everybody in QAnon? So these are all of our questions that we have. True, I guess, why is everybody in QAnon reminded me that the Capitol was stormed last week. Oh, yeah, we actually have to talk about that on our political I mean, we, podcast, don't we? sort of political podcast, yeah. We told you so. That's all I have to say. That's we my told only comment. You That's so. literally my only comment is literally, I told you so. Yeah. Uh, what have I been saying for this whole time? Mm-hmm. Literally, Biden is not the president. Biden is not the president. Uh-huh. He is not the president. Mm-hmm. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. He's not the president yet. Mm-hmm. So everybody calm down. Right. We're still going to see some And also, things. sorry, but there was a coup. There was an insurrection. Mm-hmm. And what did the Democratic Party do? I was drafting some very strong words of impeachment. Yeah. Okay. They're doing that today. So again, apparently. I say, first of all, Biden's not the president. And second of all, he's not going to save you. No. He certainly Sorry. Is. Certainly not. Not to burst your bubble. All this invoking the 25th Amendment shit or whatever. It's like so cute and funny how people are doing literally the exact same thing that has been happening for the last four years. Literally. As if it's like, no, but if we just, if we do it more louder, then something different will happen. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's just a little too late, honestly. And it's really depressing that it's like, uh, the you know democracy is the most in crisis that it's ever been mm-hmm. and I feel like people are this is like the least engaged that I feel like people have been um in the like I don't know just we were talking about this earlier the summer it was, happened so fast mm-hmm. now it's over now nobody it's cares over. anymore yeah you know, felt- nobody cares but like yeah I don't know people were definitely more engaged 
in an awoken way in the summer. Well, people were cracking their eyes open. People and they rubbed their, their eyes and went back to sleep. And I can Some relate, people rub but... their eyes and went back to sleep. Some people are taking next steps. I think it, and also, it is the thing of like this media circus. Like, as much as I felt like people's uh, posts around the Capitol being stormed were like, um, you know, like serious to the point of like, okay, relax kind of thing. There was still this feeling of this is this is a media circus. Like this is not being taken seriously. At some point, it just becomes it becomes mummified too quickly. Well, I feel like uh, to a certain extent, it's hard to take anything seriously. Well, that's the other piece it's because so every, absurd. it's so being this level of disconnected, not just mm-hmm. from other people, but from like the rhythms and rituals of daily life. Mm-hmm. I think also just really. At least for me, especially as someone who works from home and doesn't really have very many reasons to go anywhere, mm-hmm. everything that I look at on my little on my little attention machine looks fake. Everything. It all looks fake. Especially this surreal bullshit. Do you really mean to tell me that somebody walked out with the speaker's podium? Literally. Is that a real thing that happened? That wasn't a deep fake. That was real. Do you really mean to tell me that there was a there was a MAGA sitting in the in the chair? In the big chair. <laughs> I love the, that. The, the big sacred chair. They're like, who is this? And someone posted and was like, that's Bam. <laughs> that was the best one. <laughs> Wait, what? Bam. Did you watch Bam growing up? Like Bam Marjorie? But Yeah. And it was like the one oh, guy. Oh, my the- God. <laughs> and he looked like Bam. It looked like Bam's silhouette. Oh, <laughs> it was really my good. God. <laughs> hey, but see, Bam. this is the logical conclusion of, see, what the Bush years planted uh, right <laughs> the trump yeah. years are are reaping they, we are reaping what we have sown okay uh, i'm trying to make an acronym with bam that's bush something to now bush ascended oh mega caleb bush. you can just go ahead and cut this whole thing no out. don't cut <laughs> this you know you what i'm go saying ahead. al's important. trying to do word games <laughs> you can just go ahead and snip this out right here uh yeah Bush and MAGA. There it is. <laughs> it only took you 45 seconds? Yeah, 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 yeah. A minute? That's good. That's mm-hmm. good numbers. So, why is everybody queuing on? Why is everybody like this? Well, because we live in hell. Yeah, we do. We do All right, so that's been health. emotional labor. Um, uh-huh. You can follow us on Instagram at. <laughs> uh, wow, I'm just kind of sitting with the part where. Well, it it kind of does also remind me of the. Uh, there is a clip going around this morning from CNN of um, a reporter whose name is Sarah, and then her last name ends with an S, but I can't remember it. Um, just. Really useful information. I know. No, but I... Literally right before we started... Everybody knows what I'm talking about because it's so viral at this point. Right before we started recording, Al was like, I should really be better about, like, putting things in the show notes that we talk about. Well, I will put it in the show notes. Okay, put Sarah S. something in the show notes. Well, I will find out who her name is because it's so viral. I will find out who her name is. (laughs) Whatever. Do you want to know what I'm trying to say or do you just want (laughs) to do this? (laughs) She was crying on CNN, of course, as a reporter, just, like, shocked and just overwhelmed by the amount of, like, death and the, happening in the hospitals and watching just people. Grief. Yeah. Just grief. And I, I'm i not sure where she was reporting from, but I feel like she was reporting from LA. But, We're um, reporting from hell. Yeah, reporting from hell, ultimately. Um, and to even, even that 
was so genuine and real and it's like damn that is also going to become part of this weird political theater and I was watching in real time as as it made its way to like MAGA Twitter as the comments shifted as you look through the comments from like supportive like oh my gosh oh my gosh comments to like QAnon people being like COVID's not real this is fake what an actress she needs an Oscar and I was like oh my god we are fucking like doomed we're living in hell doomed doomed yeah damn that's crazy damn that's crazy So anyways, uh-huh. <laughs> one might describe the feeling that thinking about all of this brings on as ter- terror. Would you agree? Terror. Al? Would you say that we're living in terrifying times? Terrifying times. So that is really uh, what today's episode is about. I feel like we picked this topic a while ago. And then, like, stuff keeps happening, and mm-hmm. we keep being like, oh, maybe we should talk about this on the show, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it all actually is about the same thing, because we live in hell. And what happens in hell? You're tortured and terrorized. Yeah. That's where we are. Let's talk about terror. Yeah. Let's talk about terror, baby. Let's talk about... Exactly. Yeah, this came from, you sent me an article called Terror Management Theory in the COVID-19 Pandemic. Yes, which is the first time that I've heard of terror management theory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a novel concept, mm-hmm. although it's just um, bellissima, perfectly applied to the times that we're living in. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have shocked me if it was a concept from 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But essentially, terror management theory being, uh, well, I guess it's a framework for understanding human behavior mm-hmm. um, that essentially posits that, like, and this is something that you and I have talked about using different language, um, usually talking about it as denial, mm-hmm. but, like, the, the fundamental mm-hmm. thing being that, you know, in order to have this, like, metacognitive experience, this, like, frontal lobe experience, mm-hmm. means that we can understand the idea that we will die mm-hmm. that's very threatening and mm-hmm. very scary and so there's all of these like psychological defenses that we have in order to cope with terror mm-hmm. um and i think this is something i said on on the show before I definitely said it many times before um that like all all anxiety is oh, death anxiety mm-hmm. like if you kind of follow an anxious thought to its logical conclusion oops i'm so sorry caleb i just hit the microphone i'll say that again um mm-hmm. That if you follow an anxiety to its logical conclusion, that like it will ultimately be about I'm gonna die alone, uh, mm-hmm. or just die, or be alone, uh, or both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, terror management theory essentially posits that uh, we are walking around constantly terrified, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes more so than others, and some people to more degrees than others. Mm-hmm. And that the experience of terror uh, kind of has led to the development of these psychological defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, the major ones being, what was it, like self-esteem and... Yeah, it's... Um, culture? Yes. Belonging? Self-esteem. Spiritual belief? Cultural worldview. Yeah. And inner, close interpersonal relationships. Right. So cultural worldviews are, yeah, shared beliefs around reality, which is yes. why... Cults are so, I mean, we talked about this in the cult episode. You share. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to the cult episode yet, make sure you go back and listen to the cult episode Mm because that's the, that's the prelude to this. That's the foreplay for this episode. Yeah, because if you have a, if your self-esteem 
is which is again one of the major the potential for terror is managed by anxiety buffering system consisted of cultural worldview self-esteem and close interpersonal relationships so theoretically if you hijack those pieces of someone's life um you can you would i could see one being more susceptible to a cult you have a low self-esteem you get into this like close interpersonal relationship that works to totally surround you with other people who have this same worldview, the same idea of reality. Um, and again, if you have that, the, the self-esteem, not even just in the possibly the typical way that people think of like what it means to have a low self-esteem, but yeah, truly yeah. in the like reality testing way, like the ability to assert your perspective and your experience. Well, and the ability to trust that your experience and your knowledge is legitimate. Like yeah. the, the ability to say, you know, I think this thing is true and therefore, I mean, it's the, how many people have to say that a square is a line before you say it's a line? Mm-hmm. Five? Mm-hmm. Ten? Five. Sometimes, yeah. Two? Yeah. One. Sometimes one. Sometimes one. one. Sometimes, Sometimes one. one. Mm-hmm. You can have one person say it's a, a line. <laughs> and then they're like, it's, I guess it is like, a, line. It's a line. I guess I don't know anything. I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that is so, I think, interesting. And we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about cults, that all of the things that make someone sort of vulnerable to a cult, uh, there's some of them that, that are obvious, like this, you know, a lonely, victimized, otherwise marginalized person, mm-hmm. you know, who has a lot of other stressors. Um but then also, I think, goes a long way towards explaining how people who are outside of that specific, like, demographic and specifically class profile mm-hmm. end up in cults. Mm-hmm. Because it's not actually about your material reality. Mm-hmm. Obviously, your material reality affects all these other things. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can have a very secure life. You can have a very, like, good, for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And still be deeply, deeply, deeply invested in the ideologies that really reinforce and take advantage of these terror management mm-hmm. strategies, thoughts, beliefs, etc. Arguably, it's like any any cult leader mm-hmm. is doing that. Mm-hmm. That is a way to that cope with terror. Mean, yeah. And even the article, it's um, it cites like meta research. That suggests strong evidence that reminders of death increase commitments to one's worldview and that threats of one's worldview increase the accessibility of death-related thoughts. So it's like this wonderful cyclical cycle. And when you think about that in terms of propaganda and like how people end up in these ideologies of like this belief system of like you manage your terror through white supremacy. Well, and what's the <laughs> and what's the attractiveness of of the death cult. It's mm-hmm. like, if you're if you're not in that headspace, it's easy to look at that and be like, well, well that makes no sense. Right. They're voting against their own interests. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. But, like, again, it's the thing of, like, but the more you remind someone of death that increases the commitment to the worldview, the cognitive dissonance, and then the more that you threaten then that, that very weak thing, the more accessible death becomes and the more defensive you get. It's like, that's... It's... The the polarization of political discourse is like the snake eating its tail. Yeah. Of yeah. like, yeah, the more unstable things are, the more these terror management systems reinforce themselves and reassert themselves. And the more that the mm-hmm. loudest voices in the room become more appealing. The most extremist voices in the room become more appealing because 
the more proximate your mm-hmm. awareness of death, especially your own, mm-hmm. the more accessible that stuff is. Mm-hmm. The more reasonable it seems. The more useful it feels. Mm-hmm. And we're at what? 4,000 people died today? Four thousand. Or yesterday? Oh, yeah, over 4,000 people died in one day from COVID alone. Just from COVID. Like, so talk about proximity to death. Literally. If you, whether or not you know someone personally who has died in the last 10 months... Mm-hmm. The concept of death is significantly more proximate, I think, for everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> than it has ever been, especially in this sort of collective, long-term, chronic way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it is possible to avoid that proximity to death. And I think that is why people are doing things like mm-hmm. eating at restaurants. Well, yeah, yes. Because actually, even though it makes no sense quote-unquote it actually makes perfect sense because how do I cope with a reality where me interacting with other people the way that I and living my life the way it normally does might kill me or somebody else the mm-hmm. way I cope with it is pandemic mm-hmm. the way I cope with it is masks don't work the way I cope with it is I I dig deeper into whatever that foundation is that's already there that gives me some kind of protective explanation for what's happening mm-hmm. and then lets me not have to feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's... And the piece of, of being surrounded... Yeah, just being surrounded by it every day in a way that kind of... What the researchers bring up of, like, if... Death thoughts about death can be motivating, and for and and realizing one's own immortality can be motivating sometimes. Mortality or mortality. Whew, yeah, sorry. Very different. I don't know words. Um, but real we're realizing one's mortality. Yeah, realizing you're not immortal. There it's like you could take appreciation for your life. Sometimes people talk about that all the time. But the fact that it is again this thing that has we have to become habituated to. That lets it exist in a place of like, it's just another thing I have to distract myself from. Well, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot too. That like, so, a trigger warning, Al. Mm-hmm. We talk about blood. Um, oh. <laughs> Al has a weird thing about blood. Yeah, sorry, y'all. But uh, we were talking about this earlier, and have been for the last couple of weeks, that I personally feel like my relationship to death, my own death, death conceptually, um feels a lot less kind of it is like a shadow that I'm comfortable mm-hmm. sitting with mm-hmm. in a way that I think is maybe atypical mm-hmm. um, for me I think that's obviously going to be chalked up to a lot a lot a lot a lot of different factors but I think a not insignificant one is that uh, from a very young age, I, my mom would take me like to the farm a couple mm-hmm. of times a year, like mm-hmm. out to a farm um, to get meat. So from a very young age, I like watched and participated in the process of turning animals into food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also had a farm for a farm is too strong a word. We had some animals um, mm-hmm. for a while when I was a little bit older and it was the same deal. So, I mean, again, obviously it is one piece of very, very large puzzle. But I do think on average, mm-hmm. people who have that kind of inoculating experience with death, mm-hmm. an experience with death that um, 
is kind of, for me at least, I feel like I had a very profound experience and understanding of death Mm -hmm. from those experiences Mm -hmm. that was like, not death is a positive thing, Mm -hmm. but that death is a thing that inspires awe. That like the the Mm -hmm. terror of death can be actually part of this like ecstatic, like beautiful experience of spirituality. And that's, I think, something that, you know, uh, just look at, all art ever you know what I mean mm-hmm. like this this idea that like there is actually something very um if you can come to the other side of that terror <clears throat> what is up with me today mm-hmm. um if you can come to the other side of that terror and actually I have this book existential kink it's a pretty good book I guess mm-hmm. I would recommend it um but it makes this point basically as like it's not even about getting through the other side of terror it's about embracing the terror and embracing your kind of like sick desire for the terror of mm-hmm. like how we how we kind of like are attracted to the things that repulse us mm-hmm. um and in a lot of ways I feel like that I consider that an inoculating experience because I think for me it gave me um an opportunity to practice sort of facing my own death anxiety and terror in a way that felt lower stakes Mm -hmm. and also really like safe and controlled in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways you know it's not I mean it's not even like the like I've also gone with family members who like hunt Mm -hmm. or even fishing like there's a lot of other kinds of death that I find a lot more like like right um but in the in the context of like farm slaughter Mm -hmm. it's actually a very depending on the animal I mean killing a chicken is always crazy but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Depending on the animal, it's actually quite a, a peaceful process. Mm-hmm. Um, and a process that I think was, yeah, felt like a really safe way to experience it as a young person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't losing a pet. You know what I mean? Yes, like, my, yes, my first yeah. experience with death wasn't like, oh, we buried the hamster in the backyard. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Or like, oh, I went to grandma's funeral and, like, she had an open casket funeral. And this right. is my first experience of death is this weird, like, kind of alive-looking person. Yes. I feel like that was... That shit is weird. My first experience with death, technically, was some kind of funeral, open casket funeral, and never with anyone who I was very emotionally close with, though, but definitely created some very strange... Well, and I feel like it's... Being close to them or not, I think, yeah, yeah, it's just really unsettling to to see a body that's prepared to look alive that really is not alive, like, and doesn't look alive. You know what I mean? Like... You can do the makeup and the embalming and all of that stuff. It doesn't... A, a body without life does not look like a body with life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And it is the thing of, like, attempting to make it look like a body with that's life. That's called terror management theory. Yeah, that's called terror that management. That people are attached to the idea of my, my deceased loved one has to be in her favorite outfit and this cute-ass lipstick so we can put her in a box to go underground. What? Mm-hmm. And if we don't do that... She will have had a bad death. Right. And that is the, that's like now 95% of what culture is. Mm-hmm. How do I explain what makes a good death and a bad death so I can make sure that I have a good death? Mm-hmm. Mm. Terrible. Which is crazy because that is the logical conclusion of all of this thinking and I really, I cannot stop contemplating Okay, Walter, this is not not the right time. Um, I can't stop contemplating, like, all of these people who participated in this storming of the Capitol. Yeah. It's like, the logical conclusion of what you're doing is it will be a good death. 
to die Literally. like for this thing i don't death. feel like any of the, the immediate that happened no i don't well i don't think any of them were good deaths but i also don't feel like the i feel like that the death that did occur deaths mm-hmm. that did occur mm-hmm. have been uh sort of what's the word it's like i feel like the people who see the woman who was shot as a martyr oh are not representative of mm-hmm. like the like I feel like there actually has been a lot that was a lot more divisive mm-hmm. because I think for some people it appears to have broken some kind of spell something yes mm-hmm. that like actually in some weird way the proximity of death well I think it just I guess it just burst the bubble that it's like win for centrism yeah yeah but it did yeah to burst the to burst that bubble and I think it also is. The reality of like, you know, you can, Walter, please <laughs> go away. Not right now. Um, that that's hot. Thanks a lot, Walter. Mm-hmm. You were talking about um, a woman who died proximity to death. Oh, that for all that it looks like a death cult from the outside, it's like, but y'all are not really about it. You're not really a You're death not cult. Really about you don't really it. want to die for this. As soon as somebody dies, it's actually like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's all stop for a second, take a deep breath. Like, there are some people in there that totally are really about it, but those are like they are a minority. They are a minority. Those are like the people who are actually not actually because they're all oh, Walter. He. Almost took over his wire. Walter is. Well, I'll go back and listen. An to this FBI and we'll cut, plant. Cut these <laughs> Walter. Walter is an FBI plant. Is a fucking fed. Wait, hold on. I'm gonna just pause. I will go back and. Can do you? Can you see what the timestamp is right now? It's like 25 minutes. Um, do you want me to pause it? it yeah, I kind of want to smoke some weed. Oh, what can point. you? And now of all times, you've decided that's not something you can do on air. I don't have anything with me. I'm gonna have to like get up and do all. I'm the literally whole thing. about to roll. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was... I didn't know that was your plan. But it was just Walter was in the way. I was like, well, I can take a moment. There was a lot happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was a lot happening. To reset. There was a lot happening. Um, okay. Um, I mean, I can still pause. I guess it is kind of... It's yeah, probably crinkly. not very ASMR yeah. to be crinkled. It'll just be something that I'll be like, Caleb, cut this out. Caleb, cut this out. This whole thing, just cut it out. <sighs> Where did I put... Ow. <laughs> Ow. It's fine. <laughs> oh, okay, I was making sure you weren't saying my name. Uh, okay, I am going to pause it. Yeah. Uh, What'd you do? Okay, we're back. We're back. Oh, Caleb, can you put in a little intermission for that? Like, do 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 music. That's cute. I think that's cute. Um, do you like take it away, Al? Or? Yeah. Um... So, yeah, when storming the Capitol, that, that the, there are people who it, it opens something for, like, in that moment, who realized, oh, wait a second, this is not the death cult. I don't want to be in this death cult anymore. Um, and it took this level of, of pulling the veil away for them to see it. I was going to say, it's like, it's the, it's the deathbed epiphany you know what I mean yeah of like oh now that I'm actually 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 looking death in the face I don't want it anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want this anymore oh it's the view from halfway down it's the view from halfway down it's the view from halfway down 
And there are some there are s- some people who are there, and the people who rule these movements and allow these things are part of why these things can exist so greatly. Is there are people who are part of that death cult who are like, I am staring this in the face, and I am totally actually about this. Well, right, That's exactly. It's the it's the that like flattening out of like all Trump supporters are Nazis. Yeah, it's like, well, no, no. A non-zero percentage of Trump supporters are mm-hmm. literally Nazis. Yeah. Like, literally, literally straight up actual Nazis. Like, There's would not- it be like, I'm a Nazi and I love it. And like, literally HH. Like, mm-hmm. that is, that's a person who exists and that's a person who was there. I, there literally were swastikas at this. Yes. At this coup. Yeah. Ah, there was a Camp Auschwitz shirt. Yes. Which I saw a headline that was like, Etsy is taking this Camp Auschwitz shirt off of their website after the coup. And I was like, wait, wait what? what? Like, it took y'all you got that from Etsy? I guess even, I guess even white supremacists but like, have but that also, Etsy sellers. But that makes total sense because all of this stuff is a grift. Like, right. it's all, that it's is what grift. it all has come down to. Yeah. Ultimately, forever, it's all about the shmoney. You can make great shmoney facilitating mm-hmm. the sale of culty shit to cultists and Nazi shit to Nazis. Like, well, right, Even, uh, right, and and only in capitalism would that ever be something that could happen. My Etsy shop, my Etsy shop for for three percenters. Yeah. What? Huh? You're making a killing on there? That's wild. I don't know if I'm making making a killing. Ow. <laughs> Oh, true. <laughs> Ow. Please, intact. Um, yeah, because ultimately, right, it's like the death cult is the, the terror management there is not actually uh, a literal embrace of death in a lot of situations. It's the idea of embracing death, the idea of saying, like, I'm not afraid of you. You can't fire me, I quit. Yeah. Uh, which... There is certainly a percentage of people who are, yeah, like we're talking about, about it and are very much willing and ready to martyr themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that, that was the majority or even a plurality mm-hmm. of people participating in that coup. Mm-hmm. And I say that because not that many people died. Like, no. if it was really, if it was that, if it was 1776, like mm-hmm. that lady tweeted in the morning, mm-hmm. like... Y'all know revolutionaries die, right? Literally the, n- Literally, the number of people who were, like, walking out of there being like, I can't believe they tear-gapped us. All right. we were doing was trying to take over the country. Like, Literally. <laughs> all we were doing was storming the Capitol. All I wanted huh? to do was shoot Nancy Pelosi in the face. Literally. Like, like are is you- that asking so much? You're treating me like I'm a criminal. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Fascinating stuff. Oh, oh how the turntables. Dude, they killed a cop. That's crazy to me. They did. That's crazy to me. They did. That's crazy to me. They killed a cop. Again, a win for fucking centrism. Like, a win for this is just a cult around Trump. When it's like, no, this is a utopia of structures for white supremacy. And, yeah, people, there's this cult version. But ultimately, like, Bush, Bush isn't a, Bush is a three percenter. You know what I mean? Okay. There's, I know. And there's is, the clip. Yeah. <laughs> there's the clip they're but gonna play like, in front of the grand jury. <laughs> George Bush. George Bush is a three percenter. <laughs> George Bush is a literal Nazi. 
Okay. All Even right. though he actually isn't in the way of like, well, we he's not taking some oath or something. As but, far as we know. As far as we know, but what do three percenters... I don't know what you do to get in the skull of but, bones. But three percenters are actively looking for people like Bush to, ma- to, to be facilitate. in the structure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so uh, basically Bush is a three percenter. Bush is, represents... You know, I mean, okay, I see what you're saying in the same way that I see why people describe Donald Trump as a white supremacist. I don't mm-hmm. think that Donald Trump has a coherent enough no. worldview to be a white supremacist. I do think he's deeply racist and like yeah. white supremacist in that way, but I don't think he's a well, a white supremacist think, like he's got a plan. Like, right? But I ultimately, if you inhabit if you inhabit the state of the president of the, of the United States, you are a white supremacist. Because that's well, because that's what your job that's is. Your that's your <laughs> that's your job. So in that you way, you wake up Donald every morning Trump to is act in the service of white supremacy. But, but when people say that, they're not making. They don't think Obama was enacting. I mean, in that way, he can't. But like, he can still be like anti-black. A tool and of the state. Yeah, he was a tool of well, a white supremacist state. I feel like what I'm, even more so, like, it's the yeah, like you said, the thing that actually makes that a a label we're comfortable applying to Donald Trump is because. Mm-hmm. What is the dream scenario for a white supremacist? The Trump administration. You yes. know what I mean? Like it's the Because you can do what we were talking about in terror management. You are the cult leader. The three percenters, the cult leader, the people who came to storm the Capitol and then were crying Literally. later are the ones who with the self esteem, cultural worldview, da 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 da. Well, and also, so are you. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump has the Well, true. Lowest self esteem, weakest worldview, mm-hmm. absolute abset abscess? Absence. A gaping void of where culture should be. Yeah. Like, yeah. N- no wonder he's a cult leader. Literally, no wonder. Duh. No wonder. But this is again the thing of like. Uh, the ultimate cult is, uh, yeah, whiteness, white supremacy. And just the reality that human behavior, part of what makes us able to adapt to our circumstances is this like emotional physiological pathway of physical and psychological self-defense the fact that it can be hijacked so thoroughly and then is such a potent like potent powerful tool yeah in this way that like they're actually they're it's not it's actually kind of hard to like win as, like, the good guys. Like, mm-hmm. the way that things are set up. Because mm-hmm. you have to be... Not you have to be, but if you are willing to exploit that in people... Yes. Like, it's actually it's actually not super hard to make money in the world that we exist in. No, it's not. If you're willing if to... If you're willing to do horrible things. Yeah. Like, horrible things to people. Yeah. Our I mean, world is set up to reinforce sociopathic behavior. Yes, everything. So... Arguably, every job in every, in every state institution is capitalism's cold. Is it's all touched cold. by it in a way that you have to leave it. The to be a laborer or an employee gives you this illusion of freedom, mm-hmm. but meaningfully, like you're just managing terror. Oh my god! I'm finally reading Caliban and the Witch. Finally, yeah. yeah. I'm so late one. to the party. Yeah, same. And one of the first points in like the introduction of the book. Mm-hmm is that the the feudal serf had significantly more liberty than we do. There is not, like, a civilizing force that came with capitalism 
if anything, it is the opposite. That, like, the the amount that yeah. I am dependent on the structures of the state and capital uh-huh. and the amount that uh, feudal serf had agency or the capacity Literally. To, it is harder than it has ever been to, like, do a revolution. Like, Literally. we're so far away from being able to do a revolution because... Do you own land? No. And and life. What is, is it like? Twenty four hours of the of the grocery supply chain being down, and we all kill each other. Like. Well, right. That's a, and then right. It's so, literally Mad Max within three days. Yeah. So dependent. Because the way that people's worldviews and interpersonal relationships have been cultivated in yeah sociopathic structures, social emotional relational shit has been largely seeped in such a uh, just terror management terrible terror management all the time yeah well because this is the thing that like on some level terror management theory goes a long way towards explaining actually a lot of the arc of human history Mm -hmm. insofar as there is one Mm -hmm. because i think a lot of what we are taught about in history classes as civilization yeah is this thing playing out of like you know, we get to this point in evolutionary development where culture becomes a significant part of that evolutionary process. Yeah. And culture can evolve much faster than the body can. Like, yeah, culture can evolve uh, extraordinarily rapidly. That's why it's so adaptive. Yeah. So if this terror management theory is sort of a truism, a universal truth about, you know, the human experience... Mm-hmm then it becomes a lot easier to understand these, like, conflicts and cyclical... The cyclical nature of history as Mm -hmm. being cyclical because it is this thing playing out over and over again. There are basically two ways to address that, like, terror management concept. You can either... The antisocial way or yeah. the pro-social way. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of different flavors within those two umbrellas, but really kind of comes down to those two things. Either you are, like, looking for kind of this, like... Uh, I'd like to to teach the world to sing. Like, let's mm-hmm. all hold hands and like, kumbaya. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. eat fruits and dance under waterfalls or whatever. Truly. Or you're like, I want I want to be the most powerful person in the world, even if that means that I am, if I have to destroy it. Like, oh. I would rather there not be anything than there be a single thing that I don't own. It's so funny when you said that. This is like so light and tangential tangential uh there's an episode of x-men that's like a the x-men cartoon that's like a a time parallel in a world where x uh where wolverine and storm are together oh hell yeah um oh fuck yeah it's a it's like one of my favorite episodes uh it's so sweet and funny and cool but um wow isn't she like eight inches taller than yes like, it's excellent uh, wow i love that <laughs> i love excellent. that that's the, that's the dream that's the that's great uh um but he literally is like i would rather the world blow up than us not be together because they have to like do this thing that to stop the world from blowing up but it's so romantic in the other universe um it's so they romantic. won't be together no that's it's not romantic the, it, <gasps> twist like it is what kind of the thing that you just said of like you would rather everything be gone except this it's like it's still some weird thing of like what is do you ah. want to hear a crazy story what trigger warning 
this is like more of a this is like the one of the most embarrassing things about me yeah I dated some the worst person I ever dated mm-hmm. in college told me once that he fantasized about just killing all other men on the planet and just like being the only man who existed on the planet yo he like what? said that to me with a straight face he just like said that and said it like it was super normal and I was like that's not normal he was very into evolutionary psychology I'm so hot that's disgusting and scary I mean no not even the worst thing he ever said but definitely one of the most like what the fuck did you just say (laughs) ugh like you ever hear somebody say something so crazy that you kind of just like blue screen a little bit and you're like I don't even I can't even I cannot even I can't believe that you I can't believe you've said this like <laughs> first of all I, I can't, can't believe you've said this I can't believe that you've said this love <laughs> oh my god no and I feel like specifically this is sidebar but specifically in relationships in doing heterosexuality, in heterosexuality yeah men, be specific <laughs> um in doing heterosexuality <clears throat> men will tell you the weirdest shit in this way that's like because you're the, only, the person only person they tell you can tell this anything to. and also, and also you can't tell me this like you shouldn't tell me you this you shouldn't tell me this you shouldn't feel so comfortable telling me this but all men do that specifically in the in those hashtag yes all men <laughs> hashtag yes all men <laughs> yes all men it's like stop doing that stop telling tell your other men friends don't do that the either. weirdest thing i don't know reveal yourselves to each other maybe try not being weird heal well try not being weird maybe tried not being ultimately weird. have you tried not wanting to be the only man who exists well on the world but i'm saying that thought started way earlier in a way that could have been totally like well and this is why but, we need k-12 sex for education that person because but, of the context of their life like, well but this is what i mean though there, of like i think that there is a level yeah. of that terror management theory yeah. thing that is like for the to exist in a world where everything is set up to tell you yeah. that you should have everything yeah is like a really intoxicating Ugh, like yeah. in this way where this person who I dated I sometimes I'm like you didn't stand a chance like there was mm-hmm. no way that you were not going to end up being this person mm-hmm. because the context of your life so reinforcing for you being this yeah. person that yeah. why would you not why be this person? Why would you person? not be this person? And it would be disadvantageous for you to be this, to not be this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually quite disadvantageous to be like really in touch with yourself. It truly under is. Under capitalism. Mm-hmm. It actually is really detrimental to your material it, it reality. It literally is. But it's crucial for well-being. Ah, there's the rub. That's <laughs> crucial for well-being. You can either be happy or you can have money. Pick one. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's, like, sickening a little bit to think about, truly. Of the lack of... One might even say it's terrifying. It's a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is terrifying. Fills me with... Dread. Terror. And terror. Terror. Today has been it's a terrifying. very, like... I feel... I feel like I have energy and I feel present, but I'm also feeling very terrified and I'm feeling very terrified. Sad today. That, I keep thinking about that news clip that I will put in the show notes. She, you can just hear the difference when somebody is like crying, like you can hear it. You can hear when someone's really trying not to cry. 
when someone's trying not to cry and when it does release and you hear what the pain is and like there's different sounds to that and you when you hear it on tv like that it's very polyvagal and it really frustrated me because it's her talking she's she's um i believe she's a black woman and the newscaster she's talking to is a white woman and like after she kind of processes and says you know da 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 her co-anchor does respond in a way that is like very like don't apologize like you have been out there like do not worry about it but something about it was also like you're you're doing a news anchor thing in a way that like she wasn't and it's like I understand that response in a like steering the ship kind of way like you are on TV and I just like turned it off immediately when she started responding because I was like I feel like you ruined something like you should have just inhuman it felt so and then you could see her tearing up like it was like you are touched like I see that it's not not, but, but there's something it, that you're choosing. You're choosing, I want this to look, th- I want to yeah. look this way. The fantasy of I'm the only man in the world. Like, what's your fantasy here? Well, it that- reminds me very much of, there's a personal anecdote from around this mm-hmm. time last year. Of I was having a very sad time, and Al and I were talking about my very sad time in my kitchen. And my white lady roommate came mm-hmm. in and was like, Ugh. you just not be sad it's like not good to be sad for like your aura and like your vibe she is one of those love light people that is like all good vibes only and we got a demonic i hate it yeah i hate it like we got an email about this we'll do an episode about about that yeah i mean we can reference the email the email was basically like what do you think about love and light people who are QAnon? Yeah. And the answer is this episode. Like, literally. It is, the love and light thing is just as, I mean, I said this before. When I have people who are taking my classes or, like, learning tarot stuff, mm-hmm. who are coming from an experience of religious trauma, it is mm-hmm. really, really common and really, really normal to bring whatever shit you had already to everywhere you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. Like, every, mm-hmm. uh, you can put it in a new outfit. But, like, unless you're addressing the root cause of the thing, you're going to be doing the same thing eternally. The love and light stuff is another costume, and sometimes it can be wonderful and beautiful. And a lot of times, it is the exact same, like, uh, fuck, what's that called? Where it's, like, the horseshoe of, like, it just circles all the way back around to, like, love and light Nazis. Yeah, yeah. It actually, those two ends of the spectrum curve towards each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's nothing intrinsically, like, progressive about... I mean, I talk about this in my workshops of witchcraft as a radical framework. There's not anything intrinsically about the word or identity of witch that is radical. Yeah. Like, to be... To say that it's a radical framework is a choice. Yeah. That is an informed choice Mm -hmm. and an intentional one. Mm -hmm. Just being like, I burn my... I burn my sage mm-hmm. and I, you know. Or that there isn't a history of like literally like white whites whiteness and witches like and how that intersects with like pagan white supremacy, white purity shit. Literally. Shit, you, know? like, you are not the daughters of the witches they couldn't burn. Yeah, like please mm, stop saying that. Yeah, stop. Please, I beg you. I am begging you, stop saying that. You're not. You're not. That's so stupid. Sorry. It is. Stupid is a harsh word. But it is really stupid. No, because when you actually think about, like, in this, the history of this country and its relationship and violence to, like, magic or practices that are not Christian or whatever, it's, like, actually more of how uh, 
of treating indigenous people. And yes, and black people. And black people. That's literally and the, the... not s- like the crucible. Like, well, that was right. patriarchy, the for sure. The same stuff but, that you are referencing, yeah. that, you th- that you think you are descended from spiritually, mm-hmm. was not like a, a moment for lean-in feminism. It yeah. literally was... The, the origin of it was anti-blackness. Yes. It was misogynoir. Yes. Like, the thing that actually was happening was not... Uh, white men were being mean to white women mm-hmm. and you're the descendants of the white women uh-huh. who this is literally the response to that Lana post of like where she's like um so can now that everyone can da 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 Oh uh, my god Our like our great friend Aeon shout out called it um Cocaine over Cleveland in response <laughs> to her new single single chemtrails over country club. I just like <laughs> Thank you, Aeon. The, and I get why I get why people would see like a motto like that and like mm-hmm. yeah, the daughters of the witches they couldn't burn. That's like so cute and like clever and I love it. But like, I mean, as we are discussing, what is it about your ego or self esteem mm-hmm. that is responding to that? Because it's not based in fact or history. Like that's not based in like an un- a nuanced understanding and an intentional reflection on like what it what it means to identify in such Mm -hmm. a way Mm -hmm. because to do so is really ahistorical like if you're Mm -hmm. practicing if you're practicing any version of like contemporary witchcraft neo-paganism whatever Mm -hmm. and feel kinship to like witches that were burned in the salem witch trials like that's uh... not that's but those weren't Mm-mm. witches mm-hmm. in the way that we're talking about which right. in the way that you are self-identifying as calling yourself a witch so what are you talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what you're talking about is the crucible yeah. and the scarlet letter like yeah. what you're talking about it's is like patriarchy. white men being mean to white women yeah. and yes it is very sad when that yeah, happens yeah, yeah. very very sad yeah yeah but and it's... when a white woman cries the world cries with her right. like right exactly it's not actually it's ahistorical it's ahistorical it's ahistorical because guess what where did the where did those white ladies learn their terrible terrible magic from a terrible terrible black lady so terrible Mm -hmm. very demonic that's how you know they're bad it's so absurd this stupid society yeah it's really dumb like (laughs) it's really crazy how if you think of it like a computer program of like yes if you just set up the conditions ah why do I keep doing this? If you just set up the conditions of human behavior <laughs> uh-huh. and then just let them loose in the world, I can't believe this is where we've come to. I know. We fucked it all up. Like, this sucks. I should be eating fruit under a waterfall. Right, like it could be so chill. But the problem is that, unfortunately, sociopathic behavior is not just rewarded by our society that we live in. It's, it's also powerful. rewarded by reality. Yeah. Like, uh, that say that thing that I used to identify with back when I watched The Daily Show and The Colbert Report in mm-hmm. middle school of, like, reality has a liberal bias. <laughs> reality actually has a sociopath bias. Has a sociopath it low-key is, it is an adaptive There's trait no to be able justice. to kill. Like, yes. <laughs> I personally don't know that I could kill, and that's actually not very adaptive of me. I said it was powerful, but it's not powerful in in the way that I want to. It's it's easy because it's easy actually. It's an easier choice in the sense of if everything around you is so reinforcing. In some ways, it is the yeah. 
I don't know. It, it, well, this is the more challenging choice is to. I don't know. This is something we were talking about earlier of like when you also look at culturally where all this shit comes from. Uh-huh. You look at <clears throat> the global conquest of white supremacy. Like, like it is true that the the way that culture develops is a direct reflection of geography like where you are determines a lot about what your needs are and those needs are what inform how culture develops Mm -hmm. I don't think it's accidental that in places that are very bountiful Mm -hmm. tend to see more of a culture of like community and sharing Mm -hmm. where there's a really heavy emphasis on um, hospitality and kind of like s- seeing yourself as being related to other people mm-hmm. and then the more like cold isolated scarce you get mm-hmm. the more you get this like in group out group like individualism every person for themselves se- mm-hmm. which makes sense because in that kind of an environment that's really Reinforced. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really useful way to be in that environment in a way that it's actually not as useful of a way to be when there isn't that kind of scarcity because if you just go around being a dick, people will be like, let's all kill that guy who's a dick. Yeah. Or just like not talk to him. Yeah. And that sucks for you because then no one talks to you and then and you die. And in other societies and cultures, that's like, I feel like in Eastern cultures, that's more of a response of like, if you are... um. If you're disrupting the community vibe, you will be ostracized for um, it, man. Excuse me, the community has gotten together, and we have decided that you are throwing off the community vibe. You gotta get out. Like, can you chill? No, but I know what you mean. But I like mean, watching video, I, I learned about it in the context of um, watching children play and how they establish boundaries in childhood and the differences between Eastern and Western um, play practices is children in Western society are rewarded for individualism in a way that actually conquering. is more about conquering violence yes yes especially in play it's not and it's not it's certain play is just not seen as disruptive when it's actively aggressive and disruptive mm-hmm. um and those who do receive the label of aggressive and disruptive oh my are god think of the brutality that people experience yes. in k-12 education Literally, the game of dodgeball and describe as being like a really dodgeball. normal it's just like yes. normal part of the adolescent experience to like be violent yeah like to to be competitive and i don't remember if we talked about this on this episode or some other conversation Mm -hmm. but like that we live in a we live in a society Mm -hmm. that discourages us from from seeking pleasure and shames us for experiencing pleasure except for the pleasure of domination and the and sadistic pleasure and the pleasure of conquest yeah like that's why the sexual culture looks the way that it does because actually no one is looking for pleasure including Mm -hmm. the people who are having the most orgasms in that like Mm -hmm. statistical way Uh, it's actually not pleasurable in that way either it's all about the pleasure of domination yes the pleasure of getting what you want that's really uncool actually it's really uncool it's actually really uncool it would be cool if we could just be and look I mean there's you know there's Pros and cons to, mm-hmm. wow, Al, put your phone away. I was trying to find something, you brought up something, I was looking for, uh, to, to cite it, to cite a source. Oh, to cite a source, that's, that's it, right. that is important, I never it cite my important. sources. Um, 
I mean, yeah, I think of it from a, from my personal context as a as an Ethiopian person, and like, don't get me wrong, there are mm-hmm. definitely aspects of that kind of communal community yeah. mentality that can be uh, also harmful in their mm-hmm. own special ways. And mm-hmm. I think there is also this kind of we were talking about this earlier. This like Ethiopian exceptionalism that does kind of replicate that in group out group thing. Um, yeah, but that's a whole that's a whole other conversation yeah um the piece of it that i feel like is relevant here is like i think about something as simple as for example um well not simple actually very complex but Mm -hmm. so you eat you eat ethiopian food with your hands yeah um you eat off a communal plate like there's one plate that everybody is sharing from Mm -hmm. and uh it's really common and in fact it's considered like uh it's like a, it's how you show affection to people, not just in your family, but also like, I don't know, like if I like when I come into town to mm-hmm. visit from college, you know what I mean. Every mm-hmm. person whose house we go to, at some point or other, the host is gonna f- feed me like from their hand into my mouth, yeah. a very intimate act, mm-hmm. and the size of the bite that they feed you is like proportionate to mm-hmm. <laughs> to the affection that they're demonstrating, which mm-hmm. means like having to unhinge your jaw for these like inhumanly large bites of food yeah yeah um which is yeah it's a very intimate vulnerable it's very polyvagal mm-hmm. kind of experience to have and it's so uh typical mm-hmm. like and also you kiss people to say hello like you, you kiss on the cheeks to say hello or you mm-hmm. hug to say hello mm-hmm. it's a very touchy-feely culture mm-hmm. in this way that i think does make it a lot a lot harder to be like cruel Mm -hmm. indiscriminately cruel Mm -hmm. because so much of the social fabric is reinforced through these gestures of not just kindness but like intimate kindness community Mm -hmm. you you can't serve somebody a meal and be like i'm gonna have the best part for myself and give you the crappy part because guess what you're eating off the same plate yeah like you can't there is no experience of you know I'm going to take the last whatever because it's everyone's whatever. Yeah. It's our. It's ours. Our. Mm -hmm. Our. Yeah. Which is actually much more comforting if you, if your somatic system hasn't been hijacked to not perceive that as Oh my God, it's so, it's so soothing. And Mm -hmm. I, I have a complicated relationship with my family personally, Mm -hmm. but I do find, I mean, even in contexts where, even going, like, something I like to do when I go on vacation places is mm-hmm. just go to whatever Ethiopian restaurant is in the city where I am. Yeah. I'm very in quality, usually. But yeah, one of my favorite things to do is just be in a place where people are eating in that way, even though I'm at a table by myself having my meal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even have to be doing it to feel very soothed by the experience of just being around that kind of intimacy. Again, I say yeah. it's very polyvagal. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why... Like, what are those called? Mukbangs are like so mm-hmm. explosively popular, mm-hmm. especially in quarantine, mm-hmm. because there's something really satisfying, soothing about eating, watching some, someone else eat, and eating yeah. with somebody. Yeah. Especially feeding somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, it just hits different from somebody's hand than from a fork. No, I remember when I came over and you made Ethiopian food and we did the little feedy feedy of each other. It was nice. Yeah. It was cute. We did it once. We could do it again. I'm just saying. Well, okay, damn. It was a, it was a positive experience, but like, yeah, 
I feel like it, I mean, we could do it again. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be weird. Why? I don't feel like it would be weird if we were doing it mm-hmm. as a thing that was typical normal. Mm-hmm. I think it would feel weird to do it, which is why I don't think I've done it since then. Because huh. we've definitely eaten Ethiopian food since then. Yeah. I think for me, I don't know, a lot of it is, like, I have, I have introduced... Slash just fed a lot of mm-hmm. white people Ethiopian food in my mm-hmm. life. Slash just non-Ethiopian people in general, but specifically white people. Mm-hmm. And it is very fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, no offense, but it's kind of like watching like, uh, like a, a monkey like uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. using a tool or something. Uh-huh. It's like really cute. It's uh-huh. like, ah, you, you did it. Like, mm-hmm. you're doing so good. It's cool. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's a, uh, I know, no, I think, I know that it's not the same somatic experience because there mm. is a level of discomfort that has to be overcome. Like, True. I've never done that even with someone who I have been having sex with mm-hmm. and had them not have, like a white person, have some mm-hmm. kind of like initial kind of mm-hmm. reaction to get over mm-hmm. of having someone put their hands in their mouth or vice versa. And almost universally they like will not look at me when it's happening like it's like they have to like look away because it's like that actually is like too intimate too intimate yeah no it does feel i mean you're not the first person i've ever done that with though when i recall the people i've done that with it's actually negative and recall so that's unfortunate yeah that is unfortunate and it's not normalized like it's not part of the culture it is actually kind of uncomfortable to be comfortable it feels like it's a level of intimacy that right feels and that's what I mean is even for me as someone mm-hmm. who grew up doing that it, I feel that I perceive that too in the interaction because I'm like this is actually this 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 doesn't mean to you what it means for me yeah. and that's mm-hmm. making it not mean what it means, means for, for me, me also mm-hmm. in this way where like I, it is more uncomfortable for me to do that I think with a friend of mine who was not Ethiopian than like some Ethiopian auntie that I just met like five minutes ago yeah. who's like, oh, have this fight. Because I, I'm like, I know there's a fluidity to this interaction <laughs> that yeah, like is, yeah. is more reassuring and is kind of the purpose of the interaction. I mean, I think about mm-hmm. how unpleasant it was to do the like greeting kiss kiss thing with people that I did not want to do it with. Mm-hmm. How like somatically jarring it is to be like, I don't want this intimacy. Like, mm-hmm. I resent this intimacy. Um, so yeah, it's certainly not something that's like a intrinsic good. Mm-hmm. I think it obviously depends a lot on context. But when it's reinforcing, it's really reinforcing. It's yeah. very nice. Yeah. It, it's nice to exist in spaces where you can have touch that is non-sexual. Yeah. And non-perfunctory. Mm-hmm. And non-violent. Yeah, that doesn't exist in American culture. No. Like, at all, really. No. It's weird. Even handshakes are... Perfunctory. Yeah. Hugging is often perfunctory. It's yeah. why I don't like hugging very much, honestly. I don't like hugging either. It has. It feels... It's, or it depends on the person. There are people who I hug, but, like, generally well, speaking, I don't... Yeah, and a lot of the context comes down mm-hmm. to, why do I feel like you're hugging me right now? Like, yeah. what is the... Because I think, for me... I especially don't like perfunctory hugs. I find it very uncomfortable to be, like, meeting someone for the first time or, like, greeting someone I don't know very well and have them going for, like, a hug. Yeah, that's, like, no. I don't like. Mm -mm. Which, again, and I will will kiss somebody on the cheeks if they're they're Ethiopian and I'm meeting them in that context. Because, again, it means something different. It's different, yeah. It means something different. It's very different, yeah. Not that I resent hugging or touching. 
I'm pro these things conceptually. Right. It's just in the context. In the experience of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's fair. Makes sense. So, terror. Yeah. uh, Is a feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. Touch Mm -hmm. is a concept. Mm Mm-hmm. The two are very connected. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, it's part of, like, this very special American individualism terror that is, like, the way that death that is isolation, dealt with. That isolation, that loneliness, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why, why is feeding each other uncomfortable? Why is, why doesn't that Why do you have to make here? a dead body look alive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is it so, when I would post on Snapchat, like, I would give trigger warnings mm-hmm. when I would post on Snapchat pictures or videos from like slaughter mm-hmm. I would get so many people responding being like yeah who like eat absurd. meat absurd in this way that's like why is it so why does this feel disturbing in the way that seeing like a freezer full of steaks is not disturbing to you mm-hmm. like that objectively represents infinitely more violence and like Harm, yeah, is much more grotesque than anything that's happening in this, in this like, moment, yeah, in this like we're we're taking apart an animal. It is the idea that the the proximity to it is what is disgusting, and that's part that's like and how visceral it is. That's so it's messy. That's so like yeah. It's you have other people kill your food, other people mm-hmm. cook your food, other people clean up. Mm-hmm. Everything is removed. Removed. Mm-hmm. It's not nice. Mm-mm. It's not nice. It's not nice. <laughs> so nice. I guess, I guess, to tie this all together, you know, um, it's terrifying times we live in, mm-hmm. and uh, we're all just getting through the best we can. Yeah. I, mean, I really feel like one of the kindest things that you can do for yourself is to just be to practice the awareness piece of it. Mm-hmm. it it it's a cliche because it's true that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's like a muscle and like you do it in the small ways and it gets stronger and mm-hmm, you're able mm-hmm. to do it in the bigger ways um especially if listening to this episode if you felt your heart rate accelerate a couple of times or frankly if you didn't feel your heart rate accelerate a couple of times that actually probably means that you have like even more <laughs> of a hill to climb of uh-huh. awareness yeah um but yeah taking taking the time to notice what things you do to like cope with the terror avoid the terror address the terror and then also to sometimes not do those things yeah and like give give yourself small and safe experiences of the terror i mean this is sort of what i was talking about earlier with you know what i was saying about my experience of slaughter as a young person Mm -hmm. that it was like that felt for me like a safe way to experience the terror mm-hmm. in a way that was again inoculating, positive, not scary. Like scary, but like I just think I described it earlier as like awe. It was like an awe-inspiring experience, not mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. not a like horrifying experience. Even though the the pieces of it were all horrifying. Like yeah. I think this the exact same I think there could be someone standing next to me watching the exact same scene and having an experience of horror Mm -hmm. depending on what their attitude already was towards Mm -hmm. i mean like i said all of these like grown adults being like ew right a dead animal Mm -hmm. like that's gross so 
yeah, immature and disconnected from reality. Yeah. Yeah, frankly, yeah. Just. Yeah. Well. Well. So, uh. So. That's it. I guess what what else did we we did quite a bit of amateur anthropology in this episode. Amateur anthropology. So if you have any <laughs> corrections corner stuff, I'm like yeah. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that you know we can only go into so much deep. This is a yeah. podcast, not a research paper. Right, so right. certainly some things we're speaking in some generalizations. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think we're right. So yeah. <laughs> that's really all that counts. And I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to send us stuff, you can send it to hey, that's hey with three Y's, mm-hmm. at emotionallabor.co. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow us on Instagram, that is e.mo.shin.ul.lay.or. It's emotional labor with dots, all the syllables. Mm-hmm. And that's our Instagram. Oh, and we have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. All those links are... They're on the internet. We are do an episode about, website. we said the DOE and... Oh, NYC. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. we were supposed to do a non-profit industrial complex episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like... I feel like... We'll, we'll get there. kind of just end up doing, like, a helping professions mm-hmm. industrial complex episode. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just things keep happening that we have to redirect ourselves. We have to address. You know? And who's to say maybe we won't do that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's our next patron episode? The DOE. Oh, that's our patient episode? I think that's what we said we were going to do. Oh. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Or, who knows? We could get, we'll just come come find out what it is. Or come find out. Yeah. I still think our catfish episode. Yeah. Great, juicy story. Getting positive. Incredible. My opinion, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll do another story time also. Whatever. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Come see us figure it Come out. Come see our content. Come see us figure it out. Awesome. Um, tell a friend about the show. Mm-hmm. Like, subscribe, save this post. Hit the bell. Hit the bell. And thank you for being a friend. Ding. <laughs> I can't let that be the sign off. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because I hate it. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Have a great night. Well, goodbye. And, and goodbye. And goodbye. Do you want to record a Patreon episode? Or...